Hey, hey, everyone. This is Katie McGregor Bennett. This is AV Trade Talk. And today we're talking CES technology hits, misses, trends to watch, things that inspired us, things that interest us, and uh, anything else that inspires us to talk about while we're talking about today. Got a great group of guests here today that range from the manufacturer to the integrator to the real estate executive. Um, and everyone that attended CES uh, in, in their respective fields, kind of sharing what they saw, what they heard about, what they um, laid eyes on, and you know, sort of technologies that we're, we're interested in following as, as things evolve and continue to evolve, um, not just into 2019, but in the future. So it's going to be a great show. Uh, in, enjoy. Uh, we've got um, several, several guests. I'm going to go around the room here very quickly, uh, starting with Alex and Steve from Josh. How are you guys? Doing great. Great to be Good. here. I'm, Good. I'm Introduce yourself if you would. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Alex Capasolatro, a founder CEO of Josh AI. For those of you who don't know, Josh AI is a voice control home automation platform really focused on the luxury space. And so CES was just a really fun time for us to see everything that was out there. Um, but this is uh, Steve with me. Hey, I'm Stephen Way, and I'm a software engineer at Josh. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Uh, moving on down to George Walter. Hi, I'm George Walter. I'm the president of Reva. And Reva manufactures and engineers uh, turnkey home theaters and home entertainment rooms. And for us, it was just a great opportunity to, uh, to just see technology and, and look at trends and, and understand what the future might look like. Excellent. Excellent. Looking forward to hearing more about that from you, George. Ryan, good to see you. Good to, good to meet you. Introduce yourself, if you would, sir. Hey, Katie. Hi, everybody. Thank you for uh, inviting me over. My name is Ryan Hurd. I'm known as the smart guy. I'm also the author of Join the Smart Home Revolution and the CEO of One Sound Choice, and it's a custom integration firm in New Jersey, and I've been in the field for uh, 29 years, way before we used to call it smart technology. <laughs> Yeah, much has changed in that time. Yeah. Nice to have you on the show. Thanks, thanks for joining us. We'll come Thank back you. around and hear all about your CES experience. Uh, moving on around to Mark Tchaikovsky, sir. How are you? Katie, what's happening? And to keep consistent, how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> Got to keep the consistency. Uh, CEO here at Clarity Every International, uh, business development marketing international. But I'm really here on behalf of the technology and business summits, which uh, Clarity uh, used to own and were acquired by Cedia this past year. So at CES to kind of check things out for the tech summits and get some feedback to, uh, based upon uh, our events that we have across the United States now. Excellent. Excellent. Good. Can't wait to hear your hear your feedback. Last but certainly not least, we've got Angel Piontech. How are you, ma'am? Good. How are you? Good. 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 <laughs> Introduce you so yourself. Much. To yeah. Well. Thank you for inviting me here. I am Angel Piontech. I'm Vice President of Marketing at Coal Banker Elite. I'm based in Virginia. And at CES, I was um, really exploring the smart home marketplace. So I was bringing CES to our um, agents. We have about 92,000 agents all over the world and also to our consumers and kind of is educating them on the impact of smart home as it relates to selling a house. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So, and your insights are going to be, uh, I think, very interesting, but also potentially very different as well coming from sort yes. of outside our AV bubble as it is. But I'm the oddball. Uh, no, not the oddball at all. More, more to the point is you're exactly the type of individual that we're trying to, to engage with as an industry, um, you, you and your customers. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great addition to the conversation and uh, really excited to hear. As I'd mentioned to you, we, we were talking a little bit before we got recording and I had been following your feed for 
most of 2018. I forget exactly what it was that that sort of put you on my radar from a from a social influencer standpoint. But um, it very well could have been CES last year. I know you went. Yeah, last year too. <laughs> um, but you know, just really great insights, and you know, especially for us, sort of outside looking in. Um, but but definitely, you know, really really good um, information and, and great takeaways. I'm I'm sure will will follow. So thanks again, all of you, for taking the time today. I, I appreciate it. And you were out in Las Vegas last week, and uh, some of you are still recovering for being out there for the whole week. Um, for, for the audience sake, CES is Consumer Electronics Show. It has been going on for ages. Um, probably should have done my homework on that to get exactly when it started. But, um, you know, we're talking about 150,000 people, if not more, that attend this over the course of the week. Um, and it's it takes up almost every hotel room. It does. It takes up every Base hotel room that is in Vegas and every ounce of convention center space or convention floor space. Um, it is it is amazing what takes place in Las Vegas in this this week of the year every year. Um, so just from the physical size of it, but also just kind of the scope and and ultimately what it's what it's representing. For those of us that her, serve sort of the custom electronic side, which is known as CEDIA, Custom Electronic Design and Installation Association, which is the um, sort of the industry and, and the community that support the installation and integration of, uh, of technology into the home, um, the CES tends to be a bit of an um, indicator. And I shouldn't say a bit of an indicator. CES is a big indicator of what's to come and especially where consumer technologies are going and what, um, what our integrators will be faced with, um, not only being um, questioned about or asked by their clients to integrate or um, that the integrators need to have the expertise to take to your clients and say, you know, to the effect of this is coming, here's what you need to know about, and I'm happy to be your partner in installing and integrating that in your lives in the future. So it's a, it's a really interesting time because we, for us on the custom side, you know, we, we don't really talk mainstream consumer technology that often. Um, we work with it. It's definitely part of our life, but as far as where our real focus is so often, it's a little bit more than niche areas. So I really enjoy this type of year because it, it, it sort of takes us back to a little bit of a grounding position, you know, where it's, well, what's the rest of the world doing? Um, though I don't go to the show anymore. And that's a bit of a bummer, but at the same time, I'm not spending a week in Vegas in January with 150,000 people. So, <laughs> um, so personally, I don't mind it. But, um, you know, through the power of technology, we can do these podcasts now and bring the show floor to to our, to our listeners. So, um, you know, so I think that's really cool. And that's really kind of the, the overarch for today and, and why we're talking. But um, enough about me and enough about my, my <laughs> me talking here. I want to get right to you guys and, and gals and, you know, the ones who are actually there. So um, the Josh AI team, Alex and Steve, um, pick up, if you would, and just sort of share with us, you know, what was your, why'd you go? What were you looking for? What'd you see? And, um, you know, sort of in the, in the vein of hits, misses and what, what you're watching. Yeah, so CES was was different for me this year. Typically, I've gone and just taken tons of meetings, tried to check everything out. And this year, I was trying to get out of not going. You know, it's right after the New Year. It's crazy busy. It's exhausting. Everyone there seems like they're sick. But it, it was an interesting opportunity. We had a very large client and his integrator coming out and basically wanted to spend a day together checking out stuff specifically for integrations into his home. And it was just a vantage point that I was excited to explore. Um, so I was able to go and do that on Tuesday, and then Steve came in Wednesday through Friday. Um, when I was there, because I was walking around with the client, we first started with really the big TV booths, so Sony, LG, and Samsung. And I have to say, if you've never been to CES, these are the booths to check out. They invest heavily in just amazing displays, amazing screens. LG had this roll-up 8K screen that was amazing. 
Samsung's The Wall is just incredible. It's huge, it's emotional, it's powerful. Um, and that, that was a real sort of, you know, head turner for me. Um, there are always fun things though. One of the big ones that I enjoyed was a robot that plays ping pong and was basically destroying everyone that was trying to play it. Um, so that was always fun. Um, voice control, not surprisingly, was huge. Google had a lot going on. Amazon had a lot going on. And really, it, to me, it's a sign that the mass market and the, the consumer space is completely adopting this notion that voice control is just getting into everything. Now, in some cases, it's getting into stuff you might not want, like Kohler announced a toilet with a microphone, which you know, might not be the best product to buy. Um, but there were some really cool applications like Alexa in the, the car and really pushing that. Um, but one thing that I, I think is interesting to point out that's off of the technology discussion um, was that I read the number, not the number one, but rather there was a record sales of Impossible burgers sold during CES, yeah. which for those of you who don't know, this is the vegan burger that's made with either Beyond Meat or a substitute. And um, it's just really cool as a vegetarian to see that, you know, this is taking off. I was at lunch with a dozen people, none of which were vegetarian, and half of them had this burger. Like, this was the non-tech breakout hit at CES, which was awesome. <laughs> trendsetter. Alex. Always the trendsetter. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it won Engadget's Best of the Best Award or something. Which oh. is- <laughs> I'm bummed I missed that. Yeah, dang it, dang it. See, this is why we, this is why we have these shows, because, you know, you learn so much. <laughs> what, what do you see? Yeah, well, so I've, I've always been interested in consumer tech, and I've been watching the show probably since I was a child, so definitely wanted to go and check it out. Um, and I think in sort of in the consumer level stuff, outside of the custom channel, there's a lot of hidden gems type of stuff. Like, we've been pushing Sonos for a few years now, and that was previously I think seen as only consumer level and now we get a lot of our very pro level customers to put it in their home. Um, so things like that because they have I guess a chance to think differently. They don't have the momentum of the custom channel sort of behind them influencing their decisions. Um, so I wanted to see some, some things there, see if there was any cool new stuff that we hadn't considered yet. Um, and I also kind of wanted to cut through the buzzwords and see what stuff was actually like to use because when you read about it it all sounds amazing or terrible. It's one of the two, it's not anywhere in the middle. Um, and it's often a very different portrayal than what the actual experience is when I buy the product and try it out. Um, so it was, was kind of cool just getting the hands-on experience and seeing yeah. how I feel about things rather than how I think about them after reading about them. Yeah, so so question you know, is, is now that you've been back from the show with that last comment in mind, do you feel that the demo lived up to the hype or the perception prior to the demo for the most part? Or do you think it was the other um, way around? So some some totally lived up and surpassed and some were not awesome. So um, I saw, I went to BrainCo's booth and they have this headset sort of that reads your brain waves or whatever and checks for focus levels. So I was like, well, that's super cool if it actually works. So they had me try it and they told me to think about some stuff. So I thought about completely different stuff and it's, I was thinking about the stuff they told me to, so I just left. <laughs> it's probably going to sound amazing but the actual usage of it isn't exactly what you're sold on yeah Uh, the other side of things is of course 8k is huge Um, in my opinion aside from like edge cases for like very very large screens like projectors and stuff 8k is not going to be very useful for the next few years 
Um, but I think the technology being built to sell 8K while there's not really any content for it is super useful. Um, so the image and sound processing technologies, um, those, are, those are basically what they're using for upscaling like current 1080p or 4K content for them. Um, but that makes stuff really pop and putting the AI and requiring fast processors because of all the pixels um, allows you to have better models. And so now like it used to be that the image processing would sort of apply some filter to the whole screen and it would all kind of pop. Now it can apply it to individual parts of it and it knows which parts of it um, are most useful to apply like the processing to. And that makes stuff look really, really cool. Like you could see it in the booths at like Samsung and LG and stuff like that. And that's something that they had it on their walls, but you're not probably gonna read about how awesome that is um, in an article. But I think that that does hold true real world value. So yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. So George, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you in here, um, being our, our resident display technology pro. Um, a, you've got a lot of experience here. Uh, we were talking before about you know the the race the race of the K's, and uh, you know yeah we've been chasing K's for years. So uh, mm. jump in here, share thoughts. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> so much like Alex said, you know, for me, I, I've been to I don't know probably 15 years of CES and. Um, the displays tend to be one of the areas that push the envelope because it's visual, you know, and much like um, Alex said, visual is emotional. And the big consumer brands have realized that creating something overwhelming visual, whether it's real or not, it's ever going to be in your home, um, gets people really excited. So like the curved screens that you saw um, that LG did, um, very exciting but quite honestly, not very practical for the consumer side, um, but terribly emotional. And I think what it shows is just how you can push technology. The other side, you know, is resolution. But I think much like there was a time period when, you know, everybody, when they were selecting a printer, asked what the DPI was. And then it got so good that people stopped asking. It was irrelevant, right? And I think that's going to be the same with pixels. Um, what will be important is all the technology that goes around, you know, making better pixels, better color, better contrast, um, faster pixels, all that, that cool stuff. And ultimately, you know, what was also mentioned was the wall products. And we're starting to see um, products that basically are made up of tiles. And you can make any shape, any size, any resolution, you know, it's, it's irrelevant. Let's just forget about K's because unless those K's are tied to a dollar sign, they're not gonna make any difference. Um, and we're really on the edge of that now. And, and quite honestly, you know, um, some of the com consumer publications that I read when we migrated to even 4K, people were saying, you know, I really can't see the difference in resolution unless I'm right up on top of my set. And so now I'm gonna go to 8K. Well, I, I can't get any closer. That's right. You know, and when you talk about typical application where you're going to sit in your living room or where you're going to sit in your theater, the density that is is beyond what visual acuity to human eye is. So now we're doing other cool things like making better color and making faster refresh. So all of a sudden, it really looks like you're looking through a perfectly clear window. And that's really what the objective is. Um, and that's what gets people excited. I think this some of the imagery that was demonstrated at CES this week was, um, was just flat out spectacular. 
Um, but what people forget is that starts at the camera. It, you know, all these great cameras that we're seeing in cell phones, the technology to make better cameras has been ridiculous. So if we can capture better images, we can display better images. Um, and we're kind of on a race right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and you, you brought in some some interesting points there. And, and the one thing that you didn't mention, unless I glazed over it, was um, rollable. You know, and, and I mean, God, at the beginning of the week, that LG rollable OLED just seemed to be like that was the only thing that was being shown out there by Wednesday. <laughs> Things caught up. Um, but, you know, I'm sort of curious on what you think about that. that and, and I'll ask um, Ryan, too, as, as you tee up. But, yeah. uh, you know, so application of a rollable display in this in, in this vein, obviously, we know from projection screens, completely different conversation. Sure. But yeah, I think there's, there's two big, huge trends that we're seeing. Um, we saw a huge emergence of ultra short throw technology um, and then rollable. And I know several years ago, I was working with a Taiwanese uh, technology company that was experimenting with rollable displays. Um, and I think the, the ultimate desire here is for not to have the display occupy the space all the time. Right. So if it's rollable, if it's ultra short throw, you can basically make it go away. And um, much like the sci fi movies, you know, the display is just there when you want it. And when you say out, it goes away. Um, and you can do cool things like that with rollable. And you can um, just really increase the flexibility in where it goes and how it lives there. Um, I think. I think the rollable is probably really, really in its infancy. But the ultra short throw is purchase is something you can purchase today, um, and in many ways, you know that's a little bit more exciting because it really is here and it really is affordable. Where you know rollable is really like a concept car, um, as opposed to something that I think is is going to make its way into a Best Buy coming near you. Yeah, just just to add on that. You know, it felt like the rollable was an amazing display. It was so cool how they demoed it. I can't see anyone really buying that the way it's currently being built. But, you know, to George's point, the Samsung frame, it's not new as of this year, but they had an amazing display. And the idea of the TV turning into a mirror or an art piece, that, that's the same trend, the idea of making the, the screen useful. And that definitely was on point this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think what's, what's interesting is, well, not, I shouldn't say what's interesting, but what, what we get to at this point of January seemingly now every year is once sort of the CES conversation hands back over to the custom world. It's, you know, how applicable are these things or how appropriate are they for the sort of the current marketplace and con current consumer demands? And I think the, the concept of the rollable display certainly has been huge in our world for for many, many years now. And, you know, I think applicability is is significant and especially, you know, Alex and Steve on the Josh AI side. I mean, you just think of, of what that opens up from a display experience, you know, when you can use your voice to create the, the image and then make it go away using your voice again. I mean, that's that's next level. It's amazing. It's stuff we've been pitched in the movies forever. But, you know, so it's, it's sort of that that realistic application that I think some of these technologies, um, you know, sort of bring, bring to light. There was, I was reading a story by someone and um, author, not important for, for this. Uh, I'd love to give attribution, but not, not totally relevant. But the author of the story was saying, you know, it used to be that 
that CES was where we saw technology come into shape. Now it's where we see what's possible with technology, and it's what happens with that a few years down the road when it comes goes sort of into reality that really gets fascinating. And you know, and I think that's that's true. So you know, even like you know the headset, Steve, that was supposed to read your brain and maybe um, maybe mm -hmm. didn't quite capture um, the awesomeness that was going on in in your mind at the time. But think of what they're trying to accomplish in a few years down the road when you go into a booth like that. Um, it's going to read. It's going to read and. Um, shame on you. <laughs> you know, like it's. Yeah, I'm sure that you know it'll. I, I say that very jokingly, but it's like you know. I think in the future, technology is going to be such that you know we really we have to protect ourselves before we we let it read and tell others what what we're thinking. So really, really cool. But um, Ryan, pulling you in now for yeah. two two things. So um, so you, integrator and integrator perspective, especially. But you also went to CES as part of the NKBA and the NKBA Insiders. I. I believe that was part of your yeah. role out there too, right. right? Yeah. So introduce kind of, um, you know, segue from integrator into that yeah. side, if you will, and sort of share the uh, dual, oh, dual role that you had. Yeah. I'm considered an NKBA insider. So I'm their technology arm. So I went there to really take a look at how is technology uh, applicable to the kitchens and bathrooms. And with that said, uh, a couple of things. I pulled up some numbers of CES just to give the people that are listening and watching, how big this is. I mean, it's 4,500 exhibiting companies. It's 188,000 people. It's over 2.9 million square feet of space. Now, just to give you the, the idea of what that really means to, let's say, us that were there, I was there for three days, and I clocked almost 40 miles, 40 miles <laughs> walking around the show floor. That's crazy. High five. Yeah. <laughs> Do that at the gym. 40. That's crazy. And I, that's not even including my running, which I did in the mornings. <laughs> so interesting how uh, I want to go back to a point that you said about where CES. Uh, coming from the industry and I look at CES, it was emerging technology. Now it's more like beta technology. I, I think a lot of companies we saw, and I'm going to work on Alex as well, is you're seeing product that's interesting and they've got wonderful marketing pieces, but then you go to it and you realize uh, this is not realistic. This isn't beta. It's not a pilot. It's something that's stuck together, but it's got really good marketing and it, it's got its way onto uh, CNET or anybody else. The interesting thing about the curved screens are the LG was incredibly immersive and Amazing. I mean, they had the whole wall that was a couple hundred feet long. You had to to stand there to to really like get how immersive it was. And you're right; it's really not retail oriented. I can't see an application where I'm going to need a screen like that in my home. But absolutely on the consumer on the commercial side. So in malls and all that kind of things, to be able to wrap around a pole, I think that's definitely got a value there. Now, when we're talking about roll up screens. <laughs> they're gonna go the same way as curved screens. That, that's a total waste. I mean, from a guy that's been installing and in residential technology for 29 plus years, when we used to call it custom integration before we called it smart tech, um, it's just, there's not an application that's needed. What I think is the most interesting is either, I think it's either gonna go the way of the wall, the Samsung wall, because that's valuable. I mean, literally that wall was a wall and it looked like it was um, just something that was painted or something that, you know, had something faux on it, which was absolutely amazing. And all of a sudden a TV popped up and the TV can be the size of the wall or just a piece. And then the other part is the Samsung art frame. So if you don't want an entire wall, you can make your TV go away with the rest of the 
wall or the rest of the art on the wall. So that was interesting in the television tech. But then you start looking at all these other nuggets. And the interesting thing for me was how the kitchen tech is starting to stitch together all of the appliances. So we've always had the smart appliances. You have the smart stove, the smart this, the smart that. But I see an emergence of, of course it was voice technology because voice technology is in everything in reality. There's people that do it better. I mean, my heart is with uh, Josh AI. I mean, they just are killer. You know, Alexa is okay and Google Home gets the job done, but they still have a long way to go. But when we're talking about kitchens, there's value of voice technology because when your hands are dirty, when you're trying to cook uh, chicken, you know, you don't want to touch anything. So to have that voice integration. But what I saw is them one-upping it to also include uh, direct connection to their appliances as well as um, different, uh, I think one was called Handy, where it was a recipe book. And that came from, I believe it was Whirlpool. Not only did they connect that, but it connected to a smart pan and a flat uh, top as well as an oven. So give you an idea. Yes, somebody put a camera in an oven. All right, that sounds like it's not a great piece of tech. But when you start thinking through the scenario, so think of putting cookies in the oven or muffins, and there's a certain way you like your cookies. I tend to like my chocolate chip cookies a little on the, on the gooey side, definitely not uh, burnt and definitely not dried out. The ability to teach your stove to know when, what it looks like and when it's done, and to inform me, that's gold right there. And then you have like pans that are smart that literally know what you're cooking. It automatically goes to the right heat. It knows when you're searing it, when you're baking it, when you're doing everything with it. I mean, this is amazing tech that they're starting to stitch together all the appliances. It's not there yet, but it will be. I think one or two more shows and you're going to see the absolute smart kitchen. Yeah. Very interesting. Ab absolutely. And I'm so glad that you, that you jumped into that. Um, so, 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 um, you know, I think it, there's, this is the year, um, yeah. for, for all of these worlds to, um, to really converge and it, separately that that's the reason I'm creating this other entire separate podcast, which is connecting tech and design. And it's to explore all this intersection of technology and design, but it, where, where's that going? And, you know, like you were saying into the kitchen, into the bathroom and, you know, everywhere angel, when we get around to her, we'll hear sort of how all of this technology from a residential real estate perspective kind of comes into shape. But, you know, I personally, I think what's the, the intersection of technology and, and, um, and AV, um, you know, tech and AV that's happening in the kitchen is, is one of the most exciting things. Things that's hit us in a long time, and it, you know, it's, it, jokingly, it's you know, obviously the weight everyone's heart is through their stomach, but so it's sort of an easy connection there. But you know, the scenario that that you just mentioned, the camera in the oven, you know, it, this time last year I read it, it was like, eh, whatever, um, cynic, just <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Side of it, <laughs> right? I like, I, I, I like. Well, listen, I'm a techie. I like all the gadgets. I love all this stuff, but I also like looking at it from a lens of what's practical and real. And like Alex was saying about the bathrooms and the small bathrooms, I don't necessarily need a toilet that has voice control, but uh, Toto was showing a, a commercial bathroom that was totally connected. Well, what does that mean? It literally means not only is it checking the flow on each one of the stalls, but it knows you know how much uh, toilet paper is in the stall. It knows how much paper is in the other one. It knows how much uh, hand cleanser. I mean, it gives you a snapshot. So from a commercial side, the amount of knowledge that's in there, I mean, that's amazing. It absolutely makes things more efficient. So that's where you take old school technology, you know, plumbing, 
which nothing has changed because gravity still exists and crazy great technology and you merge them two together and you get something out of it that is very useful something that i can actually use if i'm a business manager absolutely yeah absolutely and and that technology in particular you know in that category of technology in particular you know and i think that um sort of technology driven hygiene um okay let's just let's just talk about that for a second because it's nothing that any of us want to talk about and it, and when we first read it's like yeah that's the last thing i need okay but take yourself you know all of us here we're we're, we have all of our capacities. Um, talk about living in place, aging in place, or those that don't have, that have diminished capacities or immobile parents, brothers, sisters. You know, it, it can be you know anyone of any age or you know whatever got them into that situation. But imagine if you don't have use of your hands, hygiene becomes very challenging. If you can't use your voice to trigger commands that result in better hygiene, that's awesome. And there's a very real health healthcare benefit to that, so you know that's I I kind of constantly have to check myself when I when I want to go into cynic mode at first because yeah. it's no oh, wait a second you know it's it's not just about it's not just about me but you know and and kind of like that CES comment about you know it's it's how technology will be applied in in the future so um, you know so I think there's there's a lot of really really cool stuff going on in that space there is a show coming up um, Ryan you'll you'll get an invite from me from this one but the NKBA as you mentioned is National Kitchen and Bath Association. There is a show, an annual show, um, the Kitchen and Bath Industry Show. It's combined right. with the International Builder Show. It's part of Design, Design and Construction Week, and that's next month. Back in Vegas. Woohoo! Yes, yes, back in Vegas. Um, but that, you know, that environment is really, you know, taking that the technology connection in the kitchen and bath and, and yeah. you know, expanding scope on that. So we'll, we'll, we'll peel away from the kitchen and bath temporarily um, just to, to keep this one, this one going. But I think that you know, that really is where, where so much of, of the technology that we're talking about today comes into range. And for the AV integration specialists, um, like Ryan, your other, <laughs> your day job, yeah. um, and, and those of you listening, you know, this is, don't, don't, don't. So don't even begin to think that this is going to touch you or affect your world and your workplace. Um, thank you for clients, your customers, um, as they continue to age. And living in place is the term now, not aging in place, living in place. Um, these are technologies you need to know about so that you can be part of that ecosystem and not be excluded from it. Um, that's, you know, we, we want to be part of it and not get kicked out from other trades. So get to know this technology now is kind of, I think, the, the, the commentary from my side. So um, I was going to move on to Mark, but that's his phone is ringing. So Mark, I'm going to glaze over you for just a second. Angel, jump in here if you would and, and share with us, you know, sort of the, the real estate, you know, your, your perspective on it. And then Mark, kind of come back in on the, on the, the, the show perspective and, and where you come from, if you would. And then yeah. We'll, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I spent pretty much the entire first day and a half in the smart home marketplace. And some of the things that really caught my attention, um, it's there's a lot of new security products. Um, so whether it's, you know, cameras with or light bulbs with cameras in them, um, Ring has a new door, I think it's called the door view cam, which replaces your people. So if you live in an apartment in a condo and you don't have the doorbell, you can now have a camera looking at, you know, the hallway or whatever. Um, whatever you're looking at, you know, from the inside of the house. But I, to me, I mean, just, just having all that new technology and possibly seeing it on the consumer side when, when an agent is, you know, going on a listing appointment and recognizing that these devices are installed. I mean, that goes a lot um, in just gaining that trust of that consumer that, that you know what's, what's in their homes and stuff. Um, a few of the other products that I really liked, um, 
Singlet has a new 100-watt LED bulb that, is, that they just, um, it's the brightest, uh, yeah, it's the first one on the market. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with Singlet, they're a light bulb company, but they have put in all the technology in their bulbs. So they have speakers in them, they have cameras, they have motion sensors. So the installation from a consumer standpoint is really easy. You just have to screw in a light bulb and everything else happens on the phone. So, you know, they don't need a professional in order to, um, in order to get them put in the home. Um, from the real estate perspective on that end, a lot of these devices, you know, they have to watch out because some of them may be personal property and not real property. So it may not convey. So your voice assistant and your smart bulb, you know, even if the agent uses that as a marketing tool, it may not convey with a home. Um, so those are the, there's a lot of things to watch out for when you're talking about um, smart home and real estate. And now you've got all of these cameras inside the home where it's recording audio and video. So it's illegal to record in Virginia, it's illegal to record audio unless you're part of the conversation. So the disclosure up front is really important because then your buyer and that buyer's agent is walking through the house and not knowing that there's a camera somewhere that could be a possible issue. Um, I'm trying to think. There's a couple of misses for me. Uh, when I went to the LG booth, which is completely, obviously very impressive with their, you know, 268 OLED TVs walking into the display. Um, they had the styler. I don't know if you guys saw that. It's the LG styler, which is like this kind of like a closet where you put in your coats and it, it shakes. It's basically sanitizing and deodorizing your clothes. You can put toys in there. Um, I think it was five or seven thousand dollars I'm, I'm just not seeing that as a practical um, piece of appliance that a consumer is going to put in their home um they i also tried their smart mirror which was really cool they scan your body and then actually order your clothes it um it integrates with the styler so you know how to care for the clothes and that that was a prototype that was a really cool um product to try but again i don't know about the practical aspect of it and of course the smart toilet everybody talking about the new me intelligent toilet i can just imagine you know somebody saying hey google flushed my whatever <laughs> so, wait for it. i don't know just wait for it <laughs> yes. um but since your audience here you know are integrators and installers i think there's really a conversation that needs to happen with that in real estate agents because as of right now we're not we don't have a relationship you know, with the integrators and real estate people, but we're asked all the time for recommendations for people installing stuff. But usually that happens if somebody's building a new home, then that builder has that relationship with that custom integrator. But the agent is really not part of that conversation anymore once you hand off that buyer uh, to the builder. So I think there is an opportunity there for a relationship, kind of like the way we um, recommend home inspectors and stuff like that. I think we need to now have a set of custom integrators on our um, roster of people that we recommend to our clients. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. And and uh, Ryan, I hopefully you're over there going, yay! <laughs> Being the yeah, integrator yeah. on the show. Yeah, <laughs> on behalf of the industry, hopefully Ryan is, yay! Um, <laughs> You know, but but you know, thank you for saying that. And and um, it's it's though we had talked about this beforehand, which we didn't. Um, but it it tees up beautifully for um, an additional conversation that that I'd love to have with you, Angel, just as as a one off of you know how how does the AV professional get involved with um, mm -hmm. the real estate professional, and you know particularly today and with the technologies that that works that we're working with today, and then what's coming. Um, mm -hmm. You know, love to love to break that down mm -hmm. on another show. Um, but you know, kind of 
keeping this one in the in the CES light. Um, do you, are there any any sort of sort of overarching technologies that you saw, not necessarily an individual product, or that you feel probably has the most benefit right now to um, to, to probably I guess a seller in in that conversation mm -hmm. or somebody who's looking. Um, potentially getting into selling their home for um, in, in the year, you like any technologies that you saw at CES or that continue to intrigue you that you think are worthwhile additions um, sure. or, or that add to resale that, that, you know, just from your position, of course. Yeah. So I have, I have basically a top three products that you should have if you're going to use smart home um, as a marketing tool. So your smart thermostat, just because the ubiquity of it, you know, Nest was around, has been around for what, five or six years. And um, that was kind of the, probably one of the first um, connected devices that people will have. Um, so your smart thermostat, your smart doorbell, I mean, just in the last couple of years, that's become really, uh, really popular. And I think uh, that will get the buyer's attention when they see it and, and, and the smart lock. So those three items, your doorbell, your smart lock, and um, your smart thermostat are the three things that you should have uh, when you're starting your smart home and thinking about the resale perspective. Um, in 2016, Cobalt Banker actually partnered with CNET to create a definition for what a smart home should have at a minimum standard um, to be able to market it as such. And there's three categories, and I can send you a link later on. Um, but basically, you know, just just what you what you need to have in order to market it as a smart home, and then you can add whatever you want with it. But the, those are the main products that I see buyers uh, being attracted to or loving when they come inside in the house yeah cool yeah so and that was in 2016 i'm curious do you know if is yeah. are there any plans to re refresh that now you know three years later a lot a lot has changed is that in the sure. you know, yeah no not i don't think so and i think the the definition is it kind of hits the basic necessities of what a smart home should have and it's very minimal standard so you really in my opinion if i'm if I'm looking at a smart home, there needs to be there needs to be more items in there, but that's just the minimum standard. And I think we actually also worked with CEDIA to create the smart home certification for our agents. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. I was as an SME for that. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very very yeah. cool. Okay. Okay. So that uh, there's a good segue for uh, bringing Mark Tukowski over in um, last guest on, but with a connection of of uh, the technology and business summits that's now powered by Cedia. Um, and you know, you went for you went for slightly different reasons, but um, and I know you were you were in and out fast. But uh, jump in. What what'd you see? What was a hit? Um, if you saw misses that you saw, or just where's this all going? Yeah. But thanks, Katie. Before I get into some of the things that I saw, just on a the conversation that we're having with a few uh, other guests here on the, on the call, you, you mentioned the living in place. I'm, I'm still a little confused why that hasn't taken off more. And I'm looking at, you know, guys like Alex and Steven, you know, from Josh with, you know, a product like theirs to incorporate into the homes uh, for the elderly to do so many things that will help them in their lives. They don't want to program and press buttons and all that. They want to be able to you know, communicate maybe with their family, their caregivers, and just that whole arena of living in place. I mean, as a baby boomers, I mean, I'm not going to admit that I was at CES for the 34th year uh, this year. <laughs> oh, my God. I think, I think I've been there longer than these two guys are alive up here on the corner. <laughs> Sorry, when I was 10. Right. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But, you know, I just look at that and, and, and see these technologies that 
I mean, just are you know, I don't, I don't think are, are quite there yet, uh, but I don't understand why, uh, you know, with, with AV, quote-unquote, integrators, I mean, the kind of uh, integrators that George deals with, the kind that Alex and Stephen deal with, and maybe you're, you're you, Ryan, uh, you know, these are prime examples of people who could put these living-in-place systems in to help people stay where they want to stay. And as, as these baby boomers are getting older, some of them have quite a bit of money, maybe just about to hit the maybe tipping points here. Maybe the you know the bell curve is here. I don't know, but it's just there's less of it than I expected by this time. Because that was a Grand Care, Katie, wasn't that the Grand yeah. Care or Alex? You might know uh, what one of the bigger companies that were doing yeah, that for a while, and they tried to get into the what's that? Yeah, Grand Care was bought by uh, Best Buy for eight hundred million. Yeah, and look what they did with it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So you know, I just I just see some of these things. These are just car. I saw the I saw the flow piece that you know integrate with your worry about, you know, if you have a leak or something like that. I mean, all these technologies, your camera example. So I think there's more that just really coming fast because, I mean, I looked at CES and I was, I'll go to the main floor because I went there last. I mean, it's a lot more of the same stuff, just different. I mean, as funny as that might sound, that's, that's what I saw. I mean, more stuff, same stuff, different stuff but it's the same stuff. I mean, the LG was amazing. You know, Samsung City, as I call it. You know, even the Sony uh, booth there in the back there, just gorgeous where they have their displays and, you know, the tie-ins to, you know, all the, the, the providers like the Netflix and how our people are delivering content to these cool devices. And I think that tie-in seems to be happening more and more about how people consume and absorb what they're going to use these cool devices for. So that was the main floor. But going back to my, my time over at the Venetian, which is typically where I used to spend a lot of my time, even though a day and a half at this CES, I went to the Venetian first and I was in and out of there way faster than I wanted to or expected to be. I was on that floor and saw a handful of the traditional manufacturers that would come to a Cedia Expo, a, a technology and business summit, or something like that. I mean, just to, I just wrote down a couple of the names. Some of the names up at the Venetian, which was the high-end area, Norton, ADT, Tile, Salesforce, Lenovo, Allstate. I mean, what are these companies doing up in the audio video area? There was only one really great this combined audio and video, and that was with Wolf Cinema, it was Seymour Screens, Dyn Audio and Audio Control. And that was the only real demo. And then Sound United uh, uh, had, had a nice display and a few other speakers and some interconnects. But it's just, again, for that higher end market, it just doesn't seem to be. But is that an opportunity? You know, is, is, is a rebirth of an area where they were do more with the rave of kind of product. Seeing a, a Josh AI control with something that's in the system that shows what the control for the control system that's showing up a great pair of speakers to kind of reestablish that higher end environment because I think the the good enough attitude is too prevalent now in our marketplace. So, I mean, I don't want to be a negative on that, but I just think there's an opportunity to get high end back into CES more. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And that the the Venetian experience um, has boy has that changed. <laughs> oh man, and uh, you know, I know. Uh, I think it's been three years now since I since I went, and it was on the decline then. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's um, it's really interesting to to sort of think about about what that ultimately means. Um, but you know, I think that 
just interesting, interesting sort of evolution there. So for those of you listening and kind of wondering what the heck we're talking about at this point in the show. Um, so there's CES, which takes up all of the convention show, uh, all of the convention center space, um, north, south, central. It takes up the Sands Convention Center. Um, it also takes up a portion of the Venetian, which used, to, which is the ballrooms and, and exhibit space down below with mainstream tech. But then up in the suites above, um, there used to be multiple floors that were dedicated and each suite would have a brand or brands together doing a demonstration of high-end audio, high-end video, vinyl. Um, you know, it, it's, it was where some of the most eclectic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, some of the most eclectic demonstrations you'd ever get to experience. Um, also a little, kind of just a little weird though, and I, you know, what I'll say is, you know, Mark on the, on the event production side, and the thing that was always kind of weird and creepy for me is, you know, let's face it, it's at a hotel, and every door, every hotel room door is open, and there's either a guy or a gal hanging out the door basically saying hey come on in check out my stuff and it's just sort of weird you know and <laughs> so you know i think for me and i you know i grew up in the industry so i you know i i'm i'm totally okay with it it is you know it is what it is and it and it isn't that um but you know i think just from a from an outsider looking in is like i wonder if that isn't part of what you know we're so focused on the experience i wonder if sort of that experience of the venetian um sort of was a bit of a detriment to ultimately the the longevity of that sort of a demo but yeah. i do miss the fact that you know those demonstrations were amazing and really the best of the best and and not necessarily you know and what i mean by that is you know if you're going for an experience a particular experience you you would get the best that those products were capable of in that in that room, granted they're in a hotel room, so it's got inherent troubles. Power, um, yeah. not going to talk yeah, about yeah, that. They, it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, Alexis Park had you know the yeah. massive amount of displays and the high end. There's definitely a different feel to that. And then your know, last thing, you know, downstairs, they did walk around the sands where all the stuff from yeah. the workout gear and monitors to the. I mean, I saw you know dog dishes that feed the dogs automatically and recycle water. And you know, you look at all these companies coming from all different. Uh, parts of the world you think what a 70 percent of these going to be gone next year because okay. there are so many gadgets and all but some are pretty slick as well then you know the legrands and the companies like that were all there uh you know and then and then there's the part that goes into the home like you were saying before the door locks you know ring was there but okay. now they have now they have uh what's it called key that you know it, it's it's allowing the amazon person or, or sorry the amazon delivery and ups to open your door and put it inside your house and then close the door again so yeah that's yeah. that, about creepy so, <laughs> actually did they open anywhere um the amazon keys i thought that was really interesting they you can now actually it's not launched yet but they will be able to deliver to your car soon i think oh, this gosh. year they're all they're working with several uh, manufacturers so i think it's gmc cadillac um, it has to be a specific car, but they will actually open up your car, deliver your packages, and then leave. As far as I know, if they can't lock the car door, they're not going to leave your car, you know, unsecured. Um, but that's coming. So that was probably the most interesting part about that whole booth there with Amazon. So yeah. that, I think this year, that's the first time they've showed. And they had, you know, the Amazon experience room, which to yeah. me was a little disappointing in that it's really all about the devices they integrate with and not necessarily just showing off. Right. Um, it was a bunch of gadgets. Yeah, in a car. And yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I spent five, 10 minutes in there maybe, and that was it. So I, well, I liked the their presence there, but I didn't stay. <laughs> I was gonna say the next thing will be like, Amazon calls Uber to come to Amazon control uh, pickup center, bring it to your house. <laughs> you know, so we're in Amazon. <laughs> There's so much stuff, going on, but I, I guess yeah. it's a sign of the times. 
So uh, I'm going to have to get running in a second, unfortunately, but a, a couple of trends just to talk on um, that I thought were interesting. We've been hearing about autonomous vehicles for a long time. I don't know how many people caught that there were actual autonomous cars driving around as taxis during CES. You know, this is a controlled environment from the standpoint of, you know, it's only so many miles and it's, you know, decently well mapped, but you still have pedestrians and traffic and weather. And these were 100% autonomous vehicles on the roads, which, you know, is a pretty cool thing to see, which suggests, you know, this time next year, we might actually see this really in the market. Um, the other thing that was interesting was some of the, the advancements with drones. We're getting to a point where drones are getting bigger. They're starting to lift and carry people. Um, there was a really cool quadcopter concept that sort of doubles as a helicopter. And the question becomes for cities like Los Angeles, where it can take you 90 minutes to go five miles, is some form of a drone going to be the future? You know, it's very early, but it, it gets you thinking. It's kind of exciting. And then the last thing that, that I thought was kind of captivating and uh, an angel kind of brought this up security i believe is going to be one of the most important talking points of 2019 and i think apple hit it out of the park with their their ad i don't know how many people saw this but on the side of the building a huge banner they put up there what happens on your iphone stays on your iphone it was a direct attack at google and amazon (laughs) and i have to say you know working in the voice control space it's funny, but this is so true. Every client we talk to is this listening. Where's the data going? You know, how open is this ecosystem? This is going to be really important in 2019. And I think we saw just the, the beginning of it at CES. I think this year, security is going to be a huge talking point. I agree. And I think when you were talking about living in place, which I hadn't heard that, I've always called it aging in place. It's kind of a paradox because the the group of people that actually benefit in a real way from all these devices are the ones that are afraid of the technology. So whether they feel like they don't know how to use it, but there's privacy issues and stuff like that. And I think that's why there's not been um, that much adoption with the living in place age group. It's just because there's a barrier there with, you know, just the comfort level with the technology. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, um, I, I'm glad that Alex brought that up because of security, I, we really can't say enough about it. And though that wasn't a technology or something that was shown on the floor per se, um, it definitely played into um, the majority of, of, of what was, was out there, just, you know, products in general. And there now is um, a very real security need for just about any, any sort of technology that's in our lives. Um, and that's, you know, sort of a, just a general comment, but it's also, you know, kind of a caution uh, and cautionary tale, those for, for the listeners that are out there, um, you know, and if you're more of a DIY type person or, you know, mainstream technology person, just understand that the different devices and, and technologies that you're, um, that are part of your daily life may not necessarily be protecting your identity or may not be creating some vulnerabilities down the line as you, as you're on your network or someone else's network. And so just be aware of those things. Um, if that's a concern to you, definitely, you know, read up, learn up, or involve an AV integration professional such as Ryan heard who's on on this show um cedia the organization custom electronic design and installation association which you can find on the net um was is a phenomenal resource for people like ryan integrators across the u.s and globally to help integrate and install and maintain these technologies and to do so in such a way that your security is preserved so um just wanted to make sure that you know readers and, and listeners out there knew that 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 was the case um alex and steve had to 
jump off from Josh. So um, we'll, uh, we're kind of in that wind down stage, but for um, George, Mark, Ryan, and Angel, for you guys left on board. Um, so CES or just technology in general, as we're looking forward into 2019, what are you guys, what are you watching? And, um, you know, what's, what's kind of got your interest or, um, or even, you know, for your, what are you skeptical of? But under the, under the header of what are you watching? Um, Ryan, go. So uh, I want to touch on that, uh, the security side. So I talk about or I give a lecture that's called Hack My House. You know, we do have to take uh, it with a grain of salt, all these smart products that are out there, gadgets. Uh, there's things that you can do to make sure that your house is uh, still safe. Uh, I saw a great product out there called Bitdefender. That was an appliance. It was like 200 bucks, and it does amazing a job to make sure that all of your smart products are not uh, telling other people of what's going on. So that's the safety side. Uh, I, I, like I said, I'm a techie and I can be on both sides. On the one hand, I like the technology that can actually benefit me. So when I look at the technology, how does that help me? And on the other side of that spectrum is the crazy wacky stuff that I just love because it's stupid. So, you know, <laughs> when I look at some of the technology that can help me, I got to tell you some of my, uh, or my number one favorite thing is actually by Pico Brew. So last year they had a appliance that can go in your kitchen and you can make uh, beer. You know, you can get your favorite brewery. It comes in, you put the packets in and it makes it. But now this year they wound up, they won up themselves because now it's the Pico still. Not only can I brew beer, but I can actually make moonshine. I mean, what's better than that's freaking awesome. <laughs> this is why we love CES. <laughs> this is why we love CES. You know, forget about the 4K, 8Ks, 10Ks. I, if you don't have enough Ks, you know. <laughs> Microphones in your toilets. Come on. You can destroy your own hooch in your house. <laughs> now, the flip side of that is you hang out downstairs, which is like the whole startup area, and you see some of the greatest and craziest and out there tech, which I love. And one of my most favorite things is, do you have a fat cat? Because if you have a fat cat, I have the solution. Basically, it's a company that came out with a big hamster wheel for cats that are uh, challenged by their weight that has a little LED <laughs> that the cats follow as they're going around this wheel. I mean, it was <laughs> awesome. I love it. So oh, It's awesome because you're not the cat that can yeah. not <laughs> run after the laser beam. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> and then the last thing I have, which is the bonus piece, is if you really want to laugh at people, all you have to do is put some VR headsets on them, and you put them in a middle of the CES floor. There was this company that was demoing their VR headsets, and the people were just walking around going like this, you know, trying to get objects. And you had hundreds of people just watching them. So literally the people with that VR headsets were the entertainment of this booth. It had no other product in it. And I thought it was phenomenal because it always had the most amount of people there. So that was my top three for that this. That was your top three. So what's interesting, Ryan, is you're the only one that's brought VR up and you only brought it up sort of in jest at the end. So <laughs> which so that's an interesting point, which is, you know, VR was a really big part of CES last year and it certainly was this year too. But as far as, you know, what's rising to the surface, as far as, you know, what's what's got, uh, you know, our collective eyes. It's yeah. VR is a tech like the curved screen. In context, it has some usefulness, but until you get it to the point where you're not wearing goggles, uh, again, for like the older generation, a very interesting point, we were talking about living uh, in place. So AARP had a, a booth there. And now AARP's whole focus is on the uh, aging person. 
and they had their innovations lab. So they had four of the startup companies through AARP there. And I thought it was interesting because three of the companies were focused on VR. So you actually wore something and you could, because one of the issues is a social aspect when you're aging in place. And the issue is, is how do I interact with people when I can't leave my house? So one of the VR companies, you would look to your right if you're sitting uh, you know, on your couch watching TV and there would be an avatar of somebody. On one hand, it was really freaky, but on the other hand, it was interesting. But on the third hand, you think about it and it's like, well, that population are a little tech adverse. So they're not comfortable with technology. And then we're going to put this big VR goggle on top of them. So <laughs> yeah. I think it was a little bit of a miss, but it was interesting on how they were kind of articulating technology. But uh, you know, VR is what it is, just like the roll-up screen. It's I, interesting, yeah. and let's see what happens. So, George, yeah, jump in here, because I, I think I see it as being a bit of an enabler to, to other technologies, and I sense that that's where you're... you're yeah, I think, like, you know, we, and I've talked, we have a VR tool. Uh, once you've kind of played around and created your own theater or your own home entertainment room, um, with simple VR, it, but we do recognize that not everybody likes the goggles. So, you know, we offer the same solution, either you can see a 2D on a big screen or um, virtually through through goggles. But we found um, the adoption was actually quite good as long as the time frame is relatively small. You know, they can put them on for a short period of time, get the experience and then take them off. Um, but as far as, creating an image because technology allows us to create some really creative, cool things. Um, and I've talked to a lot of builders that are starting to do virtual walkthroughs instead of building, you know, a model home. <clears throat> um, and again, I, I think it's all how you use it, but much like 3d, uh, if you overuse it, it's a bust. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Angel, on the real estate side, how much is VR um, being used right now? And, and is that, is that, the increasing or kind of status quo for 2019 as far as you see? I think it's definitely increasing, you know, with the 3D tours, um, not necessarily using the goggles, um, but we're using, you know, products like Matterport to create the tours for our, um, for our sellers. So it's, it's a listing tool and it may help you get the listing. I don't necessarily know that it's going to sell the house, um, but it's a marketing tool that, you know, that people use and it, it is a great immersive experience for that buyer so um there's definitely um, advantages to it and it is increasing and we have a lot of photographers now that make that into put that into their packages so yeah. it's you know the video the professional photos and your 3d tour all in one you pay 500 bucks and you get it all even with the drone um you know aerial shots so i mean yeah. it's, it's getting to be a lot cheaper and you have products like Immo viewer which is um, you know, you buy it for $300 and you do the same kind of 3D tour. You don't get the dollhouse effect like some, like Matterport um, would give you, but it's enough of um, an immersive experience uh, for that consumer that you know, some agents will buy that on their own and then do their own tours. Mm, that's cool. That's cool. Ryan, uh, yeah. any, how's that playing into your world on the, on the integration side? Is that, are you guys doing anything with VR or any of your manufacturers? No, not at all. I think, okay. um, you know, again, it's, it's, there's issues, there was issues with 3D, there's issues with VR, with vertigo and whatnot. Um, so that takes a little bit of the population out. I think, uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I've seen things behind the curtain that is much more uh, immersive and it's a reality room. 
you know, so forget about wearing something. Literally think of it as the wall that we were talking about, a room that has the wall, that is all the walls, the floor, the ceiling, and now you're immersed actually on the beach of Hawaii. Like really you're there, the sounds are there, the image is there, everything. So I think that's where the leapfrog is going to come in. Yeah. In my, so Mark, you know, I think it, for, for you, where I see this VR and tell me, but you know, on the, on the event side, at least for the, for the tech summits, um, you know, I think that VR has a, has a great ability from a, from an exhibit standpoint to, um, to allow a brand to introduce an audience to a thing, um, a technology, a space, an environment, you know, a, the look and feel the, you know, the emotional experience that you get from a thing, very technical term, yeah. a thing, um, you know, but it, you know, so it, it works really well for exhibits and, you know, obviously CES is at one end of the spectrum, um, you know, regional events that cater to a smaller community at the other end. But, you know, I think, it, and Mark, jump in, but I, at the tech and business summits, I've seen manufacturers that bring in their VR offering, which allows them to do a smaller exhibit, but yeah. still give the dealer attendee or the, or the consultant attendee the ability to see the bigger scale or scope of what they do. Yeah. Um, yeah so, you know, I think, uh, I think we'll continue seeing, to see more of that. Do you agree? Seeing a little bit of it. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of else. I mean, it's just almost like if you're producing marketing video or a sales training series, it's really, you know, how good the content is. You know, if the VR come, what you're trying to, uh, uh, you know, get them into or, or explain to them, then it's going to be as good as the production of the VR, not just the experience, because that, that gets the novelty wears off. Yeah. If it's good content yeah. and, and, you know, just put in the, the, the whole concept of all this and different components that we've talked about today, you know, we're talking about technology and how it's used in the home and the practicality. You know, I just believe that there's still so much being left on the table. What I mean by that is whether it's integrators showing one type of device or solution to the consumers and not exposing them to other things that are out there. And that's not the pile on, but this goes back to my retail days. I mean, when I used to pound my salespeople, when they didn't tell the customer that just bought a VCR, again, I'm dating myself, but it <laughs> just bought a VCR Was it you know, and didn't buy it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or no, beta machine. So, you know, if they, if they got something like that, but they didn't expose them to a head cleaner, they didn't sell them blank tape or, you know, some of the other things that go along with the sale. It's just like the integrator going into a home and looking out to the consumer's backyard and seeing this beautiful patio furniture and say, hey, do you entertain outside? Oh, did you know that we were, you could have music outside, that you could have a beautiful waterproof TV, that you could have gorgeous lighting, or if you're in the, if you're in a space and all, you know, this is, I'm, I'm going to, you know, put the Rava hat on, you know, if you're talking about a, an, an immersive type of environment where, hey, do your kids play video? Would, wouldn't be cool if we had this part of that experience as well. So they're together in that room more. And you know, we're talking so much about the video displays at CES and how wonderful LG and Samsung and Sony are, and they're right. But the audio side of things, I still think is being missed so much. You may know this because you're a smart guy. <laughs> um, I think it might have been Bose that did a display where they had two identical rooms. I actually think Tony Gramani might have done this. They had two identical rooms. One, and they told the audience that they wanted them to – um, give a critique on the quality of the picture. So they showed a projector on a screen and they said, okay, there's your picture. Then they moved and they played a movie or whatever. Then they moved into the set identical room 
and they said, tell me the difference in the picture. And the only thing between the two rooms was the quality of the audio system. Guess who everybody picked? The better quality audio system. The identical video was being shown. The identical clip. Everything was exact except the audio experience was better. And I think there's so much being left on the table when we don't expose consumers to get away from the good enough baloney that's out there. Show them something better and they will appreciate it. Well, that's, that, that's true. And I think you used to work for uh, Crazy Eddie's, didn't you? With the VCR days? <laughs> Prices are insane. Just on a, on a side note, to go on that audio thing, uh, I went with my kids to AMC theaters uh, the other day just to watch a movie. And they had a special theater that had Dolby Atmos. So I go mm -hmm. into this theater. It was the most amazing thing I have heard since the Alexa Park days. Wow. Like full Great. Dolby Atmos, side speakers, top speakers, full digital projection, the best of the best. It was awesome. So good that I came home and I looked to see what movie is going to be playing in that theater because I want to check it out. <laughs> so yeah, it, it makes Great. a difference. Audio and video go together for an emotional experience. Yeah. Right, George? Yeah, actually, that you just proved the opposite. The projector that's used in that theater is really something that is leading edge technology. It's, it's got uh, six different lasers. It creates contrast ratio, which is infinite. Um, but you remembered the audio. So, yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, they go hand in hand is the point. I mean, the point is that they, you know, they do go hand in hand. And, and, and I think so many people, they kind of stop as opposed to showing people, you know, what's better. I mean, my wife, who her favorite technology in the house, I hate to admit, is the automatic door lock where she doesn't have to use her key anymore with all this cool, you know, control systems and these beautiful systems that we have. But with that said, when we moved to this house for now, I had the better speakers in the downstairs area as opposed to upstairs. And she has been a Yes fan since she was a little kid. And I played tracks that she's probably heard a hundred times. And I put it on. She's like, what did you do to the speakers? And I said, no, it's the same thing we've always had. She goes, I've never heard that in those Yes songs because she never heard them on a great pair of speakers. I mean, it's as simple as knowing people, you know, what's great, whether that's visual or audio and it goes together. I think there's still a lot of opportunity to get people to step up to better and better yeah i think so i think so you know it's um so much of what we do and and in our circle of friends of which we all are here but you know in in the industry of of our circle of friends you know it's we we talk constantly about the the power of the experience and it's all about the experience and delivering the experience and experience experience and uh you know I can't agree with it more, though. I mean, it, it's how that experience is is received and perceived um, can can make or break a thing. And you know, I think it's um, it's still very subjective whether the video or the audio is the thing that really you know kind of pulls us as individuals in. But when the two combine for a magical experience, um, you know, I think there's there's nothing like it. And, um, you know, obviously, George, on, on the Rava side, that's <laughs> a big part of what you guys do. And Ryan, a big part of what, what um, you as an installer and, and, you know, your brothers and sisters in that, in that world, you know, it's bringing that experience to life and making it happen. Um, so, you know, this is a really fabulous conversation here. I, there are a couple of things, you know, George had, had mentioned in, on the side chat, you know, we've really had a, a great conversation about sort of technology in general, but how technology is making things simpler um, or how 
technology is is changing and enhancing the experience. Um, and Angel, on on your side, you know, you're you're right. There is um, definitely a battle taking place with AI um, and how that's affecting the ecosystem and the automation side of things in in the in the home. Um, Alex and Steve had to jump off, but um, we've we've actually had a separate conversation about that. That show hasn't yet aired, um, mm. but it's all about the control and automation ecosystem and how auto, uh, voice control and AI are playing into that from the interior designer's perspective. Um, that was a manufacturer, um, interior designer and integrator on that on that one. So I'll definitely share that with you, but um, we should, we definitely should kind of reconvene and talk about that because I think that that really is, you know, as, as, you know, on, in our world, we're so used to just sort of having the traditional control system be um, the hub, but, you know, now that control system is capable of doing more things and the inputs are different voice um, being, being just one. So, um, you know, it's, it, a lot is changing and, uh, you know, I gotta, I guess, bring it, bring it home. And that's, and that's what CES is all about is, you know, just, it's sort of the annual check-in on all that's changing with with technology um, and how it's being applied or how it's being used to enable other things um, to be to be smarter and, and cooler and more awesome and you know all those fabulous mm -hmm. words that we've used on the show um, so with that you know for for you guys and, and angel that are left you know any any kind of closing comments thoughts or anything else <laughs> Um, actually, before I get started on that, I just realized, Ryan, I met you backstage at Gen Blue right before our session. <laughs> yeah, I was on stage at Gen Blue. We talked about was, the smart technology. Yeah, yeah, and I was speaking right after you, I think. Anyway, yeah. that was bothering me. I'm like, you look really familiar. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for me, you know, with, with the battle of the AIs, Google was everywhere. Google Assistant, actual assistants walking around. And, you know, every, it seems like every single booth had a virtual Alexa or um, made for Google kind of badge. Um, it's really important, you know, to choose your product based on the ecosystem that you want. I think now Google and Alexa are becoming the standard. There's really, really we don't have a standard in that the whole industry is kind of um, fragmented. Um, but just having those two and really using your devices to its fullest extent with the ecosystem that you've chosen. Like for example, if you're buying a smart doorbell, so your next hello, you're gonna be able to see that on your Google Home Hub. You can tell Google to show, you know, show the front door camera, but you can't do that if you have um, an Alexa Hub. So just keeping those things in mind and you know, I'm curious to see where all that's going. And now all these different um, companies have their own AIs. LG has one called Chloe, I think. Um, they, I saw that at CS. Um, there's just too many different options right now. And I think um, just seeing where that takes us, because that is the beauty of smart home is the automation part. I shouldn't have to open up my phone for it to do something. It should predict some of my actions and some of the things that I want it to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And great, great points and great insights. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing your yes. world with us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and one, one thing I just realized I, um, Quoted the price wrong on that LG styler that I thought was very impractical. It was like seventeen hundred dollars, not five thousand. So a big difference in price. Um, okay. But just wanted okay, to correct that. Two then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark says sign me up. I was done debating. Now I'm all set. <laughs> oh, you're bought in. <laughs> right. Well, what's that? What's that adage? And no bad products, just bread price points bread or something prices. like that. <laughs> 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 Uh, all right. Well, so um, George, any any closing thoughts or? No, the last thing that just kind of a summary for me is I 
I think back of all the different technologies. Um, you know, Alex talked about self-driving cars. I was also a little wowed by a self-driving motorcycle. Um, you know, and, and you think the technology is there that not only can it tell you and take you where you want to go, but it can keep balance on a two-wheeled vehicle, right? And so much of this technology is just leveling the playing field, whether it be, and we talked about aging in place, where I may not have the use of my hands, or I'm cooking in the kitchen and I don't want to mess up something, right? Um, this is all about leveling the playing field. So we bring technology to people that can, you know, do things now that we're previously only available to the top 0.001%. And that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mark, thoughts? Yeah. Hi, for the integrators out there, I mean, it's just, uh, he's back. <laughs> uh, it's just <laughs> the integrators out there. You know, I mentioned earlier that um, I'm, I'm really speaking uh, at this uh, event here on behalf of the Technology and Business Summits, but these things are around the country and they're really for integrators and reps and manufacturers, sponsors, service providers to all interconnect on a, on a very one-on-one -on -one, uh, basis. So if I could encourage you to go to uh, techsummitevents.com, Katie, that's okay. I did a plug. <laughs> yeah, techsummitevents.com. You'll see events uh, that we have all over the country, and they are really valuable. There is no charge for integrators. Uh, amazing education. You know, it's, a, it's Tech Summit's powered by Cedia, and as you can imagine, the education is really, really cutting edge and very topical. It's not something that you could use five years from now. You can go in your business and use that stuff tomorrow. So I encourage you to, you know, for as my friend Frank White says, for gosh sake, learn something. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Mark and Frank White for, for sure. that. Gosh sakes, learn, learn something. But, you know, to, to that point, so um, for our listeners, so the resources that Mark was, was providing there are incredibly valuable. Those are um, trade resources. So um, if you're a consumer or um, an enthusiast who's interested just in learning more or in connecting with the professionals here, again, CEDIA, um, C-E-D-I-A is the organization. Find them on the website and there you can find, if, once you get to the website, there's lots of resources for connecting with an integrator or, um, you know, smart home technology professional in your area. Great place to start if you if you find them on the CEDIA site and they're CEDIA certified um, or have, you know, CEDIA accreditation, you know that, that they have had the training in order to take care of the technologies today and into the future. So that's a little CEDIA plug, but um, just kind of wanted to put it all in, into context here. Ryan dropped off yeah. for a minute there, but Perfect timing. You're back. We're getting um, just closing closing thoughts, and you're a CDA guy too. So, um, you know, closing thoughts on the show, and then um, you know, as as Mark did, go ahead and tee up if you would. Um, how do people find you after the show? Sure. So uh, let me give another plug to CDA. If you need your uh, local CDA guy, you go to CDA C E D I A dot org. There is a finder uh, thing right there. You put in your zip code. You're going to find a whole bunch of CDA people. You know, pick top three, call them, see how they are. You know, take them out to coffee and see if you guys uh, get together. And it's a wonderful organization. It's some, it's an organization I've been part of for a very long time, and I really, uh, I love to support them. So let's see, CES. Uh, as I said, a couple of things before, they're really interesting. Uh, another interesting thing was robots, 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 dancing robots, uh, scary robots, crazy robots, and useful robots. So that's going to be something that's going to be interesting in the future from a, a telemedicine living in place to just convenience, you know, bring me my uh, beer from Pico Brew. So that'd be pretty cool. 
Uh, let's see. Anybody that needs to get in touch with me, it's Ryan at, and then all spelled out, onesoundchoice.com. Company name is One Sound Choice. And you can hit me up on LinkedIn, which I spend most of my time. And it's Ryan, R-Y-A-N. Last name is Herd, A-T-H-E-R-D. And I am a Jersey boy. So there you go. Hey. He said cool and coffee in the same sentence. Coffee. I got to love this guy. <laughs> in the attic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you said this guy. So, um, so I'm going to swing over to this guy over here. Hey, George, um, Rava contact. Uh, if anybody wants to learn more about Rava or um, follow you guys on social or find you, sure. Um, you can find me directly, and I'm always anxious to talk about things uh, at george.walter at rava.com. But I really strongly encourage everybody to check our website out, and in particular, take a look at our configurator. Play around and, and build your own theater and then look at it in 3D if you want to uh, learn about how you can see it in VR by using your own phone. Um, we'd love to chat with you about it. And really, it's about taking an extra room that right now might be just taking up space and making it a place that you can really enjoy movies and music. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Well, Miss Angel, that leaves you as as last one. So, um, if you would, and if anybody wanted to follow you on social or um, or reach out to you, where where and how did they do that? Yes. So, yeah, you can find me at um, hey, my handle is Angel Fiontek. It's A N G L P I O N T E K, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram, and also on LinkedIn. And if you are looking for an agent that knows smart home that has been certified, you can go to coldbanker.com. And if you search for an agent in your area, there's a little icon, a smart home icon for those agents that have been certified. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining me today for AB Trade Talks uh, episode on CES technology hits, misses, and things we're watching in 2019. Uh, I definitely learned a lot, and I think that uh, our listeners will as well. As I, I just truly appreciate the time that you took, but the insights you provided, and uh, well, because you were there, I didn't have to go. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Thanks You're for welcome. that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we look forward to having you on another show. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you guys soon. So that's a wrap for today's show. But if you'd like to stay up to speed on future episodes of AV Trade Talk, you can follow at AV Trade Talk on Twitter and Facebook. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Podbean or wherever else you consume your podcast content. As always, thanks for listening.